Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. DynastyLeapFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. Does anybody know when I can get a Kareem Hunt Cleveland Browns jersey? Because I'm just asking for a friend. Oh, gross. That's Sam Stompy Lane. I really hate John Dorsey a lot right now. I am John Six Shooter Hogan. This is a super flex. Super Show! And we have so much to talk about this time of year with the NFL Combine coming up, with fantasy startups going on right now, dynasty startups going on right now. So much going on right at the moment as uh, as the offseason kicks into high gear that we're going to just attack all of it at once with a Super 6 and attack multiple different fronts. All at once, but yeah, we better uh, we better get an instant reaction from the two of you because you both clearly feel pretty strongly. Kareem Hunt signs a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. He is yet to be suspended, but they know that that's coming, and they felt that it was worth the risk. So let's start with the the Browns fan, James. Tell us what you think about Kareem Hunt and Cleveland. Yeah, I'm a little biased here because Kareem Hunt's always been one of my favorite players on the field, so. Uh, getting to see him, you know, kind of run the ball in a Browns jersey is uh, is going to make me happy as far as that goes. Um, but I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really think it's it's a long term thing. It's it's a no it's an lose situation for Cleveland. I mean, you're investing very little. If he if he doesn't play all year, uh, I mean, you you really don't even need him. I, he's depth at this point because you have Nick Chubb, you know. So, uh, you know, even if he is suspended for for a good portion of the year, which I suspect. Um, he may come back and help for the playoff push. He may be able to help kind of split that load there later in the year. And then once, you know, once he's, once he's, uh, you know, kind of up to speed and he comes back and if he looks good, um, other teams are going to be interested in him. The Browns could get a compensation pick for him. And it's really just a, I mean, you're risking very little here. It's, it's a low, I mean, it's a, uh, not, not a huge amount of money that's tied up into him or cap space or anything. So, uh, to me, this just made sense for Cleveland. As far as for fantasy goes, it's a, it's a little tough. I mean, um, you know, Nick Nick Chubb might later in the year be be in for a reduced role, and that's that's kind of kind of brutal. And you know, for Kareem Hunt, you know, he lands in a fifty fifty timeshare at best later in the year, so that's not great either. But um, it's it's got to be encouraging for people who have Hunt rostered that he's on a roster now, um, and that you know, hopefully, um, he can continue to keep his nose clean. Uh, there in Cleveland, um, he should have a good support supporting group around him. Um, he's from Cleveland, so uh, you know he's got some ties to the area. So, uh, what do you think, Stompy? What's your take on it? Well, so I love Chubb. Yeah, you can giggity. 
<laughs> you can oh, splice yeah. that out of splice that out of the podcast and use it however you want. Um, There's their newest drop. We finally have one for Stomp. There you go. Uh, like I get it. I get it from an NFL perspective, just because one million with incentives is super cheap for a very very good running back. Um, my my initial reaction was, what are they doing? But I, I get it. I guess for fantasy purposes, he's going to be suspended for likely half of the season. Um, I think it, it ranges anywhere from six to ten games. And I, I say eight because he's had multiple incidents or rumors of multiple incidents. So I, I definitely, I mean, I think people need to calm down a little bit, especially Chubb owners need to calm down a little bit. You're, you're going to get a superstar in the first half of the season. If he plays like we think he's capable of, they're not going to put Kareem Hunt in there to take Chubb's job. If anything, I would see them moving Duke Johnson and allowing Kareem Hunt to be that pass-catching back for them. But yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It hurts me a little bit inside because, like I said, Nick Chubb, I, I, I love Nick Chubb a ton, and I own him in several places, but I don't think it's nearly as dire as we make it sound. Uh, Stompy, you and I are in a startup draft. You know, you knew, <laughs> you knew I had to bring this up because it was amazing how quickly this happened, at least from my perspective. So we're doing... We're in a startup draft started by our friend Dynasty Outhouse from the Trade Addicts podcast, and it's uh, the newest Trade Addicts league. And with the what was it the the eighth pick of the first round? Is that right? It was, it was ninth, yeah. The ninth, ninth ninth pick of the first round in the startup draft. Stompy takes Nick Chubb, and it felt like seconds later, like a. Uh, is is when Kareem Hunt got signed by the Browns, and it, it like it felt to me like one of those bang bang things. Like you think that Roby Nickel Coleman hitting Tommy Lee Lewis was a bang bang play? This was <laughs> instantaneous, at least yeah. in, at least to me. Uh, I've I've never seen just a, a draft pick tank so hard like that so fast. Yeah, that wasn't great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, well, it was just, I got the news and it, it, I mean, it wasn't bang, bang, but I guess for a startup draft, a slow draft, it was pretty bang, bang, where it was like probably within an hour of the pick that that news came out. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was insane. Um, yeah, but uh, definitely felt bad for you on that one. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Nick Chubb's value drops all that much. To me, the Browns are approaching this, you know, their their roster the same way dynasty players should approach their own rosters as far as a running back position goes. You kind of need, it, not only do you need a lot of these guys, you need guys that are going to come in waves. You know, you need, you, you need the guy who's going to start the season for you, and then once he wears down and eventually gets injured, because they all do it, then, all right. Then, All right with that. Then you need the you need the guy who's ready to step in and and take over. Es- essentially, that handcuff. You know, you have to have that in the NFL as well. That's this is the entire dynamic that that 
you know, forces us to construct our roster in that way in fantasy football. It's, it's, and it's the exact same thing for NFL purposes. You, you have to have that next guy ready to come in when, you know, when you're, if, and when your guy goes down, they, they don't always, that's a little harsh, but man, it feels like by, you know, week 14, if your lead, lead back is still standing, it's just barely. Yeah, I, I just we'll, – we'll see. I mean, Nick Nick Chubb does have that one serious injury, but he's a pretty solid back. Like I said, I, I just don't – I don't expect them to go away from Chubb just because Kareem Hunt comes back. And I, and I actually saw yeah. a discussion on Twitter that they talked about, well, because he's a restricted free agent, they can waive the right to – sign him and get like a third compens or a third round uh compensatory pick which is great i mean so you're you're getting basically something for very very cheap yeah no i yeah totally agree all right so let's get to the meat and potatoes of this show like i said at the top we wanted to do a super six if you aren't familiar that's the top six top six six top six lists if that isn't confusing, that's certainly a mouthful, but I'll break it down a little bit. Each one of the three of us is going to do a top six list, uh, mostly fantasy-centered, but not totally. Uh, mostly going to be focused on Dynasty and specifically Superflex, but um, we're going we're gonna to editorialize a little bit on this one and have a little bit of fun with it. But let's start with Stompy. And uh, give us one of your top six lists. Whichever one you want to start with is totally fine by us. So I'll start with the fantasy one. Um, I did six misleading stats and or fantasy finishes. Um, so my first one, and, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard, I, I think we talked about it last week, was... Adam Thielen finishing as wide receiver seven, and in that, Kirk Cousins finishing as QB nine for the 2018 season. Now, those sound fantastic finishes um, for both, but when you look deeper into it, Adam Thielen had eight straight 100-yard games to start the season, and in fact, people were talking about him being the number one wide receiver asset in Dynasty after those eight straight 100 yard season or 100 yard games which if that doesn't tell you that dynasty is not necessarily all about long-term value but it shifts a ton uh that's i mean this is exhibit a for that but he had one 100 yard game after week eight he was the wide receiver one through week eight he he finished the season as the wide receiver 26 through weeks nine through 17 so combined with that, Kirk Cousins was actually the QB2 through week 8, but then he was the QB19 to end the season. And finally, just to kind of bring it all together, and I don't necessarily know if this is the cause of all this, but Latavius Murray was only the running back 20 through the first 8 weeks. He had 91 fantasy points. Dalvin Cook was the RB11, and he had 126 fantasy points from week 9 through 17. So we had talked about this, like I said, last week, but you definitely saw that offense stall 
a little bit, but you also saw them start to pick up the running game a little bit. I'm a little bit nervous about Adam Thielen. Probably not so much about Kirk Cousins, but I still don't think he's going to be that great, especially with so many young QBs right now. And they just hired Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison, who love to run the ball. So they may be moving more towards the run than we think. Um, my second one is Jared Goff finished as QB6. Uh, he was the QB3 through week 10 of the season, but then he was the QB16 from then on. Um, and I picked week 10 because that's when Cooper Cup went down with his ACL injury. So he had, and th- and this is where consistency comes into play with Jared Goff as well. He had four top five QB weeks, seven top 12 QB weeks, and nine QB2 finishes for, or QB2 weeks. Um, and he was buoyed by two 39-point performances. So while he finished well, he was a top six quarterback, he probably lost you a few weeks, including a week in the Scott Fishbowl that gave you negative points. Thanks, Jared Goff. <laughs> um, and I, I think this says a lot about Jared Goff being a system QB because if you're missing Cooper Cup that much, that means that you aren't nearly as good of a QB as your finishes say. And this is a shout out to Bobby Koch, who loves Jared Goff. <laughs> Um, speaking of the Los Angeles Rams, Robert Woods, and this is more for James than anything, because I saw him write something the other day about Robert Woods and Cooper cup and their relationship. And I wanted to pick on him a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I believe James said something along the lines of Robert Woods, three or four highest yardage totals were without Cooper cup. Was that correct, James? I, I I made a mistake, but I did say that. I did. Okay. So Robert Woods was actually the wide receiver nine from weeks one through ten. Again, Cooper Cup went down with his ACL in, in week ten. And that includes three one hundred yard games. And he was only and I say only, he was only the wide receiver fourteen from weeks eleven through seventeen. So he was actually a better wide receiver with Cooper Cup. So it's misleading to say that he was he the only reason he finished as a top 10 wide receiver was because Cooper Cup was out. He was actually better with Cooper Cup and the presence of Cooper Cup probably makes Jared Goff better, which in turn obviously makes Robert Woods better. Uh, number four, uh, Tyreek Hill, and this is for my uh, co-host on Dino Diagnostic, um, Aton Mosia. Tyreek Hill was the wide receiver three this season, which is phenomenal. And I still think he I, he has an argument as a top five wide receiver in Dynasty. However, he is very, very boom bust. He had three 35-plus point games. He also had four games of 10 or fewer points. So you get the idea that he's inconsistent. He had five top five finish, wide receiver finishes, seven top 12 wide receiver finishes, Nine top 24 wide receiver finishes, so that's only two two um, finishes outside of the top 12. And then he had seven outside of the top 24. So a guy that you're probably picking in the first maybe 
or at least the second, if not the late first, gave you seven fin wider seven weeks outside of the top twenty-four. So you're paying a lot for some some games that he can win. You can you can win because of him, but you can also lose several games because of him during a season as well. And I think this is another one for James. Number five, Michael Thomas is wide receiver six. Um, he was the wide receiver three from weeks one through nine, and this is when he was on that tear where he was on, I believe, pace to break the uh, targets record. I, don't quote me on that, but I think that's correct. But then he, <laughs> and here's this again, he was only the wide receiver 10 weeks 11 through 17. He only had one game over 25 fantasy points since week nine. He had three games under 10 points from weeks 10 through 17. So he definitely could have hurt you down the stretch into the playoffs. And I think this likely has to do with him suffering from not having a wide receiver or tight end to take away some of the coverage from him. Will this always be the case? I don't know. But he didn't have, I feel, nearly as good of a season as many people do. And then finally... Uh, six uh, is Chris Herndon finishing as the tight end 16. Chris Herndon was actually the tight end nine from week six through 17. He missed week one and week five, and he wasn't nearly in, as involved in weeks two, three, and four. But when he did get involved, they used him. Um, and he was as consistent as some of the t uh, tight end ones for 2018, so including guys like Kyle Rudolph and Jimmy Graham. Um, and the other aspect of this is the New York Jets have um, Quincy Inunua and then who else? So he could be in for uh, a breakout season next season. And mind you, he was only a rookie in 2018, so he's definitely a tight end that I am – looking at late and i believe john also likes chris herndon yeah i love chris herndon and, and that was actually a james call he was on chris herndon before anybody else that, that i know of um you know before i had even heard of the guy so yeah i mean this is a this is very much a chris herndon podcast but all of these this this is the type of thing that i i mean i feel like this is really important for dynasty players, you know, regardless of format, but this is something that that people miss a lot. Uh, the, the big, the overall thesis here is what are you getting from this player? You know, on a weekly basis, and I don't mean average. I mean, what are they literally doing each each week? And a lot of these guys that you're talking about, I mean, some of them are, you know, it's a it's a low average, but it's it they're actually you know within a standard deviation of that average every single week and some of these guys have a high average but you know they're only getting close to to that average about half the time and that that's god it, it's just so important and it's so frustrating when some of these guys get their values you know they they just shoot through the roof because it's a high per game average. This is kind of the argument I was making against Russell Wilson in uh, 2017, because you know prior to 2017 he had been so boom bust every single week, and it you know it it 
to me, that brings the value down because you can't count on him necessarily, you know, every single week. I don't, and I don't care what his final per game average is. That part doesn't concern me. You know, that all, in fact, that's just a trap. So yeah, to me, all of this, this is really important. It was, is really pretty interesting too, to see that from these guys, but uh, it's uh, it, it's more than anything. This is a really important process that gets missed in in Dynasty all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And to, to kind of add to that a little bit, I think this is an eye opener. Um, you know, a lot of these, um, you know, were were some. You know, I had shared some some uh, some thoughts on some of these players, especially with Robert Woods and Michael Thomas, and and it definitely opens my eyes, especially to Robert Woods. Robert Woods really, I. I knew that his numbers were there. I just thought it was more fluky than anything. Um, and the reason why I thought that was just because, I mean, I thought opportunity was was a big part of that. And I also thought, uh, you know, increased opportunity, rather, was a big part of that. And I also thought uh, that it, it wasn't sustainable because this is, a, this, I mean, this is by far his breakout year. You know, it seems like an outlier more than anything. But the more I dig into it and the more you look into the numbers, the the more it seems like this might be sustainable. So um, you definitely opened my eyes with Robert Woods a little bit. Michael Thomas maybe a little bit less. I mean, being a top 10 wide receiver um, over the, the course of the, the later part of the year um, was, was a little difficult. Like you said, you know, there, he was, you know, there, there was no one else there to, to really help him out at all. And I expect that to be remedied in the offseason. I expect uh, New Orleans to kind of address that. And I also... I also look at what he did in the playoffs, and um, I mean, he had two monster games in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I think that if he's still capable of doing that. I, I think that uh, Saints offense in general um, looked a little sluggish towards the later part of the year too. So, um, but I know I, I think it is really important, and these are eye openers. These are the what you just did, Stompy. These are the kinds of things that are going to open my eyes and really make me think about my process and kind of where I have players ranked. Um, because this is just cold hard facts, and the the last thing I'm going to add is the the further that we get away from the season, um, the it, it seems like the the more we forget um, the context uh, of this. You know, we'll we'll hear that oh man, did you you know this guy actually finished as running back eleven? But you know, when you actually look at it and you look at the numbers and you you put you know everything together, you realize that. Man, that you know that, that it tells a totally different story. He was running back five, you know, throughout the course of the year, through the first nine weeks, and then kind of fell off a cliff, you know. So, um, I, I think it's interesting. I, I especially later in the year, this is something I'm definitely going to fall back on and kind of use this this mentality to to uh, approach fantasy um, in a different different perspective next year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I love it. And I think one of the overarching themes here is that. How you build your teams, or this should help you build your team. So if you were to pair a guy like Robert Woods with a guy like Tyreek Hill, you get those boom games, but then your those bust games are a little bit mitigated because you can rely on Robert Woods to give you basically a, a wide receiver one week most weeks. So when you when you're building building your teams from startups or whatever. Look at like, okay, yeah, I want some of these boom bust guys because they can win me weeks, but I also want some of these consistent guys because like I said, you can mitigate some of that bust. Um, so you don't want all 
we, you don't want all uh, boom bust. You don't want all consistency. Um, you want a mix of both. Yeah, no, agreed. I, I love that. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, um, it definitely puts things to perspective and it, it, it shows kind of, yeah, where, where your team, where, how your team build kind of should go and whether or not you can afford to take on a guy who's more of a boom bust type guy, you know, with, with your roster constructed the way it is. Um, or if you need someone who's a little bit more consistent. So no, I, I like that a lot. I you're right on again, man. That's, that's absolutely the way I'd approach it with these, uh, with these numbers too. Nice. Well, let's get one from you then, James. Um, both the years are uh, really kind of fantasy related, so um, can't really go wrong. But uh, yeah, yeah, pick one of your list and let's hear it. All right. So yeah, I'm going to start with rookies that you may not know that you should. And they're not rookies yet. They're incoming rookies. Uh, so we're going to kind of look up to uh, the upcoming rookie draft and uh, and just go over some names that you may not know that um, that maybe you should. Guys that are flying under the radar a little bit that I think you should know. So uh, we're going to start with number six. And number six on my list is Zach Moss. He's a running back out of Utah. Um, not a lot of guys are talking about Zach Moss and not a lot of guys talk about running backs out of Utah. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a kind of, kind of a, uh, a correlation there. Um, so, um, we're going to go over Zach Moss and kind of, kind of, uh, go over his, uh, his stats here a little bit. So yeah, so Zach Moss, uh, 5'10", uh, is listed at 206 pounds. It looks like uh, he was 206 pounds going into the year. He's listed at 5'10", 215 now, um, according to sportsreference.com. Um, but uh, his uh, Zach Moss saw some uh, s- substantial carries in his sophomore and junior year. He just completed his junior season. Um, but uh, in, in those two seasons, he eclipsed over 1,000 yards rushing each year, um, broke double-digit touchdowns rushing each year, uh, and uh, has proven to be a receiver out of the backfield, too, especially last year. He had 29 grabs for 243 yards. So um, this guy, is a uh, he's a natural pass catcher. He's got the build. I mean, he's got the big enough size and everything to be an every down back. And he's a guy, kind of guy that's going to fly under the radar because a lot of people don't really look to Utah running backs. Um, so I think this is a guy who can really show pretty well at the combine. I expect him to run decently. Um, and uh, this is a guy that could, you know, if landing in the right spot and sees some opportunity, um, could be a guy that you want to keep on your radar for a later pick um, in some of these rookie drafts. So um, let's go to a tight end here. I'm going to go to Elise Mack, and this guy, this is a tight end from Notre Dame, um, and so, he, you know, a, a lot of people have heard the name, um, but he, he just, I mean, he has had, Notre Dame has had some very, very poor quarterback play over the past few seasons. And it's not, it's maybe not quarterback play, but passing stats from the quarterback position. So I, I think some of these numbers are just not impressive. But I think with Mac, he's definitely going to be a receiving threat. He's 6'5", 247 pounds. Um, he's the kind of guy who can stretch the seam. Um, he's, he's got really soft hands. I have a feeling this guy is going to be a receiving threat um, and, and at the next level. He projects that way. He projected that way out of high school. Um, he just didn't really see numbers. I mean, last year, he ended up with 36 receptions for 360 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Notre Dame just really did not you know, have a whole lot of success uh, through the air last year. Um, and, and Mac was, you know, one of the uh, one of the guys that suffered for it. But the, the good thing about that is that he's probably going to fly under the radar. Um, he's going to be a guy that a lot of eyes aren't going to be on. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, he, he his numbers just weren't there. But I do expect him to have a pretty decent combine. Um, it's a really heavy tight end class, so he might get lost in the shuffle there. And that's a guy that I would, uh, I would definitely keep my eyes on. Um, 
Next, I'm going to go to Alexander Madison, and the reason why I'm going to go to him, he's a running back out of Boise State, and uh, he's a guy I like an awful lot. I watched him um, a lot. You know, running backs coming out of Boise State, that's not a – uh, a, a bad uh, a bad school to come out of if you're going into the NFL. Guys like uh, Doug Martin have seen success coming out of Boise State and coming into the NFL. Um, but last season, I, I mean, really, Alexander Madison is 5'11", 211 pounds. Last season, I, I, I mean, the last two seasons, his sophomore and junior year, he, uh, he started um, most of his time there. Um, and he really lit it up. Last year, though, 1,415 rushing yards and 17 rushing touchdowns. Um, so his numbers were there. But the great thing is, is over the past two years, um, the guy has had 55 receptions over the past two years um, for uh, over 475 yards receiving, too. So uh, he, he's definitely a receiving threat. He's a guy that can do it all. He's actually pretty good at picking up the blitz, too. So this is a guy I could see shooting up some some boards, uh, some NFL scouting boards, and being a guy who, who ends up going early than what uh, what people think. Um, he's shown a lot over at Boise State, and I think this is a guy that I would definitely keep on the radar, a guy who I would be looking at uh, with some of those later picks. Just just kind of kind of see his situation, see where he lands, see his landing spot, and see if opportunity might be there for him. If it is, then, uh, that, then that's a guy I would definitely uh, take a flyer on a little bit, move him up a few spots in, uh, in my rookie draft. Um, next, we're going to go to Jared Stidham, and this is a quarterback out of Auburn. Jared Stidham's been, it's interesting, he's 6'3", 215 pounds, and he has been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, he started his year over at Baylor in 2015. Uh, he then transferred to, uh, to Auburn, and people thought that he was going to be better over in Auburn. People really felt like, okay, this uh, this is the move that he has to make. He's going to be in this offense, and they expected big things. Um, Auburn's traditionally a good offense uh, to be in and to be a quarterback of, but he just never really seemed like he broke out. Um you know, his numbers were okay. I mean, last year he had 18 touchdown passes to five interceptions. So, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. He had a 60.7 completion percent rate. Um, he threw for almost 2,800 yards. Um, I mean, he was he was okay, but he never really wowed you. Um, Aubrey never really did very well, uh, as well as they could have uh, with some of the offensive weapons that they had. And uh, Jared Stidham just seemed wild, wildly inconsistent. There were games where it just, it, it just didn't look like it was there for him. Uh, the reason why I like him in the NFL level is because I think his game projects a little bit better in the NFL. I think this guy with NFL coaching is going to be, uh, he, he's a smarter guy. I, I think he's going to be able to read defenses, know where to go with the ball right away. And I think NFL coaches are really going to be able to tap into that potential a little bit better. So I could see him kind of over uh, overperforming in the NFL um, compared to where uh, where he was in college. So that's another guy I would, uh, I would suggest to kind of keep your eye on the I'm going to go to my favorite guy here uh, before finishing up uh, with one. Uh, but my favorite guy here is Keyshawn Johnson. Um, and, and the reason being is, look, this guy went to a small school. He went to Fresno State. Every year his numbers increased. His last year, his senior season, last season, he ended up with 95 receptions for 1,340 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, he, he really lit it up. Uh, he's 6'2", 199 pounds, so 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, so he has a nice, nice size. But the, the best thing about him, he's probably the best route runner in this draft class. And I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't have much problem saying that. I, I think he really sets up his routes very, very well. Um, he does a really good job of um, of not tipping his routes. Not, uh, you know, he doesn't take a lot of false steps, uh, which is always good for a receiver. Um, but uh, 
he also doesn't tip his routes. He doesn't tip leverage. He's not, you know, leaning towards the inside on, on slant routes or leaning towards the outside on out routes. Um, so he does a really good job of that. Um, and, you know, just, just seeing him run routes, I feel like that is something that when we see college players that can run routes really well, that seems to be something that translates well to the NFL. So that's a guy who um, it's a guy I'm, I really, really like. Um, I've got him in a couple mocks in the third round. And if you can get somebody like that in the third round, man, take it all day because he is uh, he's, he's a player. Um, last guy I'm going to go to to finish off this, uh, this six-pack here is little Jordan Humphrey. And little Jordan Humphrey is from Texas, and he's not very little. He's 6'4", 225 pounds. Um, this is a guy, I, there's a lot of bigger receivers in this draft. This is a guy who kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And hey, last year, he had a great year. 86 grabs, 1,176 yards, and nine touchdowns on a Texas offense. I kind of, I mean, a Texas team that struggled a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like uh, Will Jordan Humphrey. He's a, he's a physical specimen. He's he's quick enough, too, to, to where he can create some separation um, on some of his routes. Uh, so the size doesn't hinder him too much. Um, he's not a guy, you know, he, he's not Calvin Benjamin out there. He's not a guy who's got to, you know, you just got to throw it high to and hope that he can come down with the ball. Um, he, he's a guy who can create some separation. So there are a few th- different things that he can do. But because he's getting lost in this draft, even though he's got this size and, he, you know, he's, he has good physical traits, I think he's a guy that you can get later in the draft. And I think he's got as good of a hip potential as some of the other bigger name guys. So uh, another guy I would keep my eye on, especially regarding landing spots so um Sabi, i'm going to start with you man is there anything that stands out to you here well i'm going to give a shout out to a guy over at ff statistics jesse reeves um he has Keyshawn johnson in the top three wide receivers in this class um he just it, he just wrote an article that was went out i believe either yesterday or a couple days ago basically calling him one of the more technical wide receivers. He's not flashy, but he's got incredible hands. He's got great route running. Um, and honestly, he's probably the biggest sleeper in this. Not I shouldn't say sleeper, but the guy that most people are sleeping on in this draft. Like He is an absolute monster. And get like you said, getting him in the third would be an absolute steal. Um. Madison is another guy that's kind of gaining some hype a little bit. He had he had a great career at uh, Boise State. And then um, Lil' Jordan Humphreys is very uh, interesting, we'll call it, because he's, like you said, 6'4". What, what did he weigh? 225. 225. And he played almost exclusively out of the slot, mm-hmm. yeah. which is wild for a guy that big. Um, so, and, but you're starting to see the NFL move more towards big slot guys. I mean, Cooper cup's a great example and he could fit in well, and he would be such a mismatch in the middle there. And he would be able to take those hits in the middle from the linebackers and from the safeties. So he's definitely very intriguing as well. Nice, nice. Okay, John, do you have any thoughts on any of these guys? Have you dug into them yet, or are you you waiting a little bit closer to the uh, to the draft here? Yeah, I'm sitting back and and learning right now. That I have I have nothing to add to this. These are all fairly new names. In fact, I had to check the spelling on Keyshawn Johnson to make sure it wasn't the uh, the same one from the the 
the Jets back in the nineties, but Tampa that's, Bay. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of where my ignorance is at on these guys. So yeah, I'm I'm right along with probably some of the listeners, and and I, there are probably listeners out there I'm sure who could educate me on the rookies. But uh, for the rest of us, I'm I'm sitting back and uh, listening and learning right along with them. So yeah, that's a that's a really interesting list. Um, who are there any of these guys that you think, you know, with a good showing in the combine, who stands to jump the highest in our rookie drafts? Well, I, yeah, that's interesting. Do you, you know, on this list or just in general? Uh, let's start with on this list, and then if okay. you've got someone in general, I'd love to hear that too. Yeah, I think, um, man, I, the tight end class is going to keep Mac down, I think. I think there's a lot of really good tight ends in this class. Um, Will Jordan Humphrey, I, I, I think, is on a lot of uh, NFL scouts' radars already. Um, but I just, I, there would have to be a lot of receivers that are currently projected to go ahead of him that would have to kind of underperform, um, in my opinion. So um, I'm going to go to the running backs. I think this running back class is a little weaker um, so I could see a guy like uh, like Madison uh, from Boise State really helping his stock with a good showing at the combine. Um, I think that's a guy that uh, that I could see jumping up into um, into maybe the the you know the the mid part of the third round maybe you know maybe end up mid to late third round with a really good showing um, you know jump up to the second day of that draft. Which uh, for running backs in this draft um, to go to go in the second day. Um, you know that that would be a big jump for him. So I I think out of this list, I would say that that's probably the guy I would have pegged. Nice, that's good to know. Keyshawn Johnson, just give him the damn ball. All Seriously, right. ah. <laughs> just watch, watch out for this kid. He's gonna be he's gonna be a hell of a player. Nice, yeah, I agree. Right on. We're gonna have our our eye on all these guys, and and we'll get more and more into the rookies, and we'll all get more familiar with them together. So this is just kind of a taste, and that's kind of what this this six pack is meant to be, is just a, a kind of a little taste of all the things that we've got to work on here in the off season. You know, we just had Stompy's, you know, process looking back at the 2018 season. Now we're looking ahead to some of the rookies and what's going on right now immediately in Dynasty leagues is a lot of roster construction involving trades. And uh, so that's what I want to talk about for my first top six, top six. So the top six Twitter trades that are, to me, are just completely wrong. And these are all, I mean, these are, these are you know, fairly recent ones. So, I mean, it, it's not like these are the most egregious of all time or anything. These are just the most recent ones. But to me, these are all at least a little bit off. Uh, to to varying degrees, so I'm going to start with this first one is uh, it's Pat Mahomes for Joe Mixon, Josh Allen in a 2021st, and Pat Mahomes is losing 41% to 59%. Give me Mahomes all day. I Josh Allen to me is not. I mean he's he's kind of a late first round pick type of value. 2021st same thing maybe maybe a late first round pick as far as rookie draft rookie pick value joe mixon is around two 
two first round picks for me, but I mean, it, it takes four to get to Pat Mahomes. And right now we're kind of looking at probably three and a half. So it's not terrible, but it's, it's still off to me. Number two, Marcus Mariota and T.Y. Hilton for Baker Mayfield. And the Mariota Hilton side is losing 35% to 65%. Baker Mayfield just in general is being overvalued and overdrafted to me. I, I'm I'm just as excited about him as the next guy. Uh, that's clearly not true because I have him at quarterback nine. He's being drafted in a lot of super flex leagues as the quarterback five, sometimes even higher than that. And we just haven't seen enough to make that move just yet. Meanwhile, T.Y. Hilton and established the number one wide receiver in an Andrew Luck offense. Start right there. I mean, I, to me... Hilton and Mayfield straight up is awfully, awfully close. And then you throw in a quarterback, you throw in a starting NFL quarterback on top of T.Y. Hilton, and give me that side easily. Number three, Lamar Jackson for Kareem Hunt in pick 1.03. This one isn't terrible to me. Lamar Jackson losing 25% to 75% on the other side. I would uh, 103 in Lamar Jackson for me is fairly close. Uh, so you throw in Lamar Hunt or Kareem Hunt, sorry, and it's and it's it, you know it's very very balanced. So to see this one at three to one in favor of the Hunt pick side over Lamar Jackson in a super flex league uh, is a little nuts to me. And uh, I, I also wanted to include that one because I know that Stompy's going to feel more strongly about this one than I do. Number three, or number four, Adam Thielen for 220 first. And it's 31% in favor of Thielen, 69% of those firsts. No idea where those firsts are going to land. Those easily could be the last two picks of the 2020 first round for a guy who is an established producer and one of the top offenses in the league one of the one of the top targets and in a guy who went seven straight games with a hundred a hundred receiving yards you know stompy mentioned him early on so uh the giving up that floor that that in that established production that known quantity for two totally unknowns is crazy to me number five is Juju Smith-Schuster and Sony Michelle for Saquon Barkley, and it's 31% on the Juju side, where and 69%, very nice on the Barkley side. <laughs> uh, and man, Juju and Barkley are right there for me. Um, I, I acknowledge that Barkley has more has more value at the moment than Juju Smith-Schuster. But as far as who do I want on my dynasty roster going forward, it's ridiculously close. And I actually would – I personally give the nod to Juju because he's got a much longer career ahead of him. But you throw in Sony Michelle along with Juju, and that should tip the scale completely to the Juju side. This, this To me, this poll is completely backwards. And the number one, this one is the most egregious to me by far. This is a super flex league. Kareem Hunt and pick 1.04 for Kirk Cousins and pick 110. And it's a 50-50, a 50-50 split right now. So it's not like 
Kirk, the Kirk Cousins side is losing, but the fact that this is tied is a huge loss to the idea that quarterbacks matter in Superflex to me, and it, which is, I, I mean, I, you you just you can't take that approach in Superflex. You have to have quarterbacks. You have to get quarterbacks in return when you make these trades, and Kirk Cousins. For I mean, we're essentially saying Kirk Cousins for pick 1.04. To me, Kirk Cousins, if he was in this rookie draft, I'm taking him at 1.01. I honestly am. And then 110 for Kareem Hunt is, I mean, close enough, I suppose. I would probably want, I I would probably want more than, more than Kareem Hunt for the 110. But that's just me. So I I just got to totally get up on my soapbox on any on these trades but do you guys have take any issue with what i just said or uh um or are you on the side of of the twitter verse on these trades on any of these trades so did you say that you would take juju over barkley yes okay Brian Hart, Brian Hart is screaming. I can hear him. I know. Um, I mean, it, it, pretty much everybody is. Like my yeah. my my screen is just shaking right now. Like I can feel in, <laughs> in real time. Even though I, I mean, everybody's listening to this in the future, but I can still, I can still feel it. I can feel the negative energy coming towards me. So real quick, do you think Brian Hart is screaming all that loud though? Yeah, I guess it is Juju yeah. on his team versus Barkley, who is Saquon point oh one. Saquon oh one. So I think I agree on that one. I'm probably well, I think that's probably a fair trade. Uh Juju and, and Sony for Barkley. So I think it should be a lot closer than that. So what what all of the what most of these tell me is they're knee jerk reaction trades or 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 it's what have you done for me lately trades. So the Mahomes one is kind of crazy to me, and I think it probably has more to do with Josh Allen than anything. That should be closer to fifty fifty, if not slightly leaning Mahomes, because yes, Josh Allen had a great streak at the end of the season but he still hasn't shown that he's a good passer or that he can be a good quarterback in this league um mariota hilton i think i agree needs to be closer um hilton by himself with luck is probably worth mayfield and you add a quarterback in there uh and and you add mary and a lot of people are down on mariota but he had Injury issues last last season. He's shown he can be a good quarterback. He just needs to be healthy and in a good system. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I think he definitely is worth more than that poll is showing. Um, I'm going to leave the Lamar Jackson one alone real quick. <sighs> this Thielen one, I think we're going to disagree here. And I get the argument that it's 2020 randoms that we have no idea what they are. But as I talked about earlier with Thielen, I think we've seen his ceiling. Now, he could definitely continue to produce like he did in 2017, and that would be perfectly fine. But I think I would rather take a chance on that class 
in 2020 than I would on Thielen. Now, I don't think it's going to be a 69% to 31%. I think it should be closer, but I still think I'm taking the picks there. And then, yeah, the the one, the most egregious one is the Cousins one because, like we talked about, even even if he does regress a little bit, he still finishes QB nine. He's probably still a top twelve quarterback, which is worth much more than the one point oh four. And Hunt is probably worth the one point one zero or one point ten. So yeah, that one that one's the most egregious one to me. That should absolutely be like seventy five twenty five to the cousin side. And then finally, well, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll go on my diatribe about Lamar Jackson here. So Lamar Jackson's floor is about seventy nine yards per game, and this is obviously off of last season's statistics. So seventy nine yards per game on the ground, plus a little more than uh, half of a touchdown. So you're talking about probably ten ish points on the ground as a as a floor now when you add in that yes guess what he can throw the ball and he actually showed he was decent at throwing the ball last year despite having some deficiencies and he showed it in college as well he was the he's the only player to ever have back-to-back 3,000 yard passing 1,000 yard rushing seasons so we know he can throw the ball the so with that 10 point floor plus let's just say he he averages let's 175 yards a game so and and another touchdown so now you're talking about 18 19 20 points and and I'm probably on the low end of his passing so for me I'm taking Lamar Jackson's rushing floor and he probably is guaranteed 20 plus points a game and I, I'm I'm paying probably a one oh one point oh one, especially in this draft for him. I, I just I think he's being very undervalued because of a couple games, couple poor games. Plus they didn't throw the ball a ton, and I think he's got a lot more to show. In fact, I wrote a why Lamar Jackson will be a top ten quarterback next season article, but that's beyond the point. So I'm very much on the. Uh, minority there, but I do think Lamar Jackson is worth a lot more than he's being valued currently. I won't add much. I, uh, I'll i just go on to say I, I agree with you on the Mahomes trade. Um, I would definitely rather have Mahomes than Mixon Josh Allen in the 2021st in the Superflex League. I agree with the Mariota Hilton thing. Um, I, I I think it should be closer. Um, I, I, I Mayfield's tough for me, but and I, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Mar- of Mariota, but um, I don't think the gap is is as big as T. Y. Hilton. Um, you know his his presence in that trade would fill. So I'm on board with that too. Um, yeah, I I think I would rather have in a super flex league. I'd rather have Omar Jackson for Hunt in the 1.03, and I I really like Kareem Hunt moving forward. But I mean, you're getting probably next to nothing this year. And who knows where he's going to be and what his role is going to be next year. So um, there's that. Uh, the the Thielen and the, the 2021st, I'm actually going to say I would rather have Thielen than the two 2021sts um, just because, I mean, really, you, you get nothing this year. There's no help this year for you. It's not until next season that you may get help. Um, and, um, you know, who, who knows at that at that point in time what this 2020 class is going to look like. It can change pretty Pretty rapidly. Um, I'm with you on Juju and Sony um, over Barkley too. I really like Barkley, but um, 
the way I see it, that's that's two two second round picks for me with Juju and Sony because I'm really high on Sony um, for the 1.01, and I think I would take that trade. So that's why I think I would take the the Juju Sony side. Um, and then yeah, I, we we're all in agreement that that Cousins and 110 for hunting the 1.04 is totally egregious. That should be 100% with Cousins. I mean, that's not even close. Especially because I mean, if you read that, it was a, it's a 16 team super flex league. 16 teams. How, how in 16 yeah. teams is 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 the quarterback not that much more valuable? Like it's insane to me. I'm definitely saying Cousins, even more so the Cousins side uh, in a 16 team super flex league. So uh, on that um, feeling one. The only thing I would really argue is probably they're rebuilding if they're getting the two twenty twenty first. So, I mean, it depends on how you actually feel about a rebuild. Yeah, yeah, I think the context is important with, with some of these. I think that one's close enough to where the context is important, um, and you know, roster construction and that sort of thing. But I would say this: I, there's a lot of people overvaluing twenty twenty first first round picks right now. I'm um, one of them. That's and that, me. yeah, and yeah. that and that's just it. I think a lot of people are doing that, and so even if people aren't rebuilding, some people just feel like they need to get their share of twenty twenty first. Hopefully, it works out. Hopefully, that that draft class is as good as advertised, um, and it works out for everyone. But uh, you know, if not, you just gave up a proven commodity um, in an offense that I I still think is going to be it's going to be better than it was last year, in my opinion. Um, and even if they, you know, even if they become more run heavy, I could see more scoring opportunity for Thielen um, to the point where I don't know that his numbers suffer all that much from what they were in the second half. Um, I would think that he probably improves on those. Um, and yeah, and again, if, if I, I get nothing this year is my main my main problem with it. Um, but yeah, if you're rebuilding, it totally makes sense. And I would definitely, you know, look at this in a different light at that point. I'd need a player back with the with the picks, even if it meant giving up one of those picks. I I need I need twenty nineteen production. Those those twenty twenty picks. I mean, you have to wait a year to wait however long for those rookies to develop. It's it, it, that's too long, even for a rebuild. You know, that's that's just too long to wait. So, yeah, for me, it's it's Thielen, unless something gets added to that pick side. But let's get back to Stompy and with with your uh, your second list, your second top six. So yeah, I, I wanted everybody to get to know me a little bit more. Yes. Um. It's a, so these it's a scary I made proposition. I know, way. right? Uh, I made a list of my top six TV shows that I like to repeat watch. All right, that's fairly innocuous. We can do that. Hmm. Hmm. It's not like so, not like fetishes or anything like that. We that'll be in a future episode, I guess. Well, so this is on Cinemax, Skinemax. <laughs> it's called oh, Real man. Sex. <laughs> all of these suddenly, all of these names. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at them, and suddenly they all uh, they all take on different meanings. You bet. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. It um, it's definitely interesting when you look at the list. I wonder what number here. three is. I'm, I'm oh about that. yeah, I well, I'm not, <laughs> but but stop you real quick before you go into your list here. Um, I just want to clarify. So these are not maybe maybe not your 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 all time favorite shows. These oh, are no, some of them some of them are okay okay. But 
but these are really shows that you can rewatch. These are shows that yeah. that I you can play watch over and at over again. Once or twice a year. Okay, and that and that's big because rewatchability isn't always there with all those shows. I've got oh. a few shows that I really like, and uh, when I go back and try to watch them, it's 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 a rougher it's a rougher go through. So okay, awesome. I'm glad I clarified that. All right, so number six, and I this is a tie for me. It's Psych and Chuck. I don't know if you guys have heard of those two shows. I've not heard of Psych. I don't think watch it. Really? Okay. Like it's kind of like a buddy cop comedy, but they're like they fake like faking psych professionals or psychic professionals. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Nice. Um, five is Jericho. This this one might be my all time favorite, just because it only was like a season and a half, but I loved it so much. Loved it so much. Um, four is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Probably the arguably the best comedy on television right now uh three is parks and rec love that show it's kind of the 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 younger sibling to the office but i parks and rec might be better than the office and that might be blasphemy wow um two is the office obviously i think that's probably the number one repeatedly watched show in on in the world and then number one, and, and you guys are going to be surprised because guess what? I'm intelligent sometimes is West what? Wing. Yes. I know. Uh, I love West Wing. I don't Wing. know where you get this crap. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have not seen the West Wing, so uh, I, I can't really comment on that. But um, – that's uh, that that is interesting. The Office w- is probably number one for most people. So uh, the fact that it f- slips to number two that's that's pretty interesting. But Parks and Rec is the only other one that I've seen on this list. To be totally honest with you, I am have not even tried Brooklyn Nine Nine yet. So uh, that's that's an interesting one as well. Friday Night Lights belongs on this list. Um, I don't. Uh. easy easy we're doing so good we made it i I watched it once and i'm just like well i okay now you now you're good okay (sighs) whatever whatever man we made it (laughs) we made it an episode and a half and that's about all that anybody could expect but we absolutely disagree on this point but, but oh, man, it is about time, man. It's about time because Stompy already took a couple shots at some of my takes on Twitter earlier this week <laughs> with with Robert Woods and Michael Thomas. And I thought, well, here we go. You know, I, I can see which direction this is heading in. And and now, finally, it looks like the tides have turned, man, that the the, the, uh, the, the ship has uh, has has turned changed its course. And it looks like it's coming for you now, John. So, yeah, it's about time. I'm liking this. Nice. Suck it, John. <laughs> we, we had to, <laughs> yeah, we had to get away from fantasy football and get into things that truly, truly matter. Like, what do you watch when football's not on? So, like, Stompy spends way too much time in front of the screen. <laughs> I will say, Brooklyn Nine Nine and Parks and Rec are both hilarious. They're they're great. Both those shows are awesome. Um, I really, I, The Office. I, I'll, I'm gonna come clean here. Oh boy! I have not finished watching The Office yet, but every oh time I watch The Office, yes, and every time I watch it, I enjoy it. And it's just one of those things where 
I, you know, I'll, I'll end up watching something else and then, you know, I'll, oh man, I should have put on The Office. For some reason, I just, it's, it's not one of those that I go to yet. And maybe it's because I haven't finished it, but, um, but I enjoy, I enjoy The Office an awful lot. So I, it definitely deserves to be on the list. And West Wing is also very awesome, very underrated because it's a little older, um, but really good. Uh, Jericho, I haven't seen, but, uh, Based on your recommendation, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go watch it. I can. Well, it's I one can of those season and a half of anything. Yeah, so. it's one of those like cheesy like apocalypse <laughs> type shows that it's like so much drama and the music, and you're like, this is so ridiculous, but I love it. Yeah, I, and okay, so I, yeah, and I'm I'm on board for that. I, I will say this, um, Psych. I, I never really gave much of a chance, um, and and that might be something that I'd get into. But Chuck, man, uh, Chuck has this cult following, too. And there's a lot yes. of people that really like Chuck. Man, I tried. I tried, and I I could not get into Chuck at all. Um, that was the one on this list that when you, you put it out, I was like, oh, man, this is a really good one. Oh, man, Chuck. Chuck, man. I couldn't get into Chuck. You're just, you're wrong. Well, that won't be the first time. So that, that's that's <laughs> All right, James, back to you with the top six. Yeah, so all right, so this one was fun for me because I've been playing fantasy for, I'm going into my 19th year, okay? So I've been playing for a while, and there's a lot of players that have been in the league for a long time. So I actually thought back the, the best I could, and look, you know, if I forgot, I, the, the outlier I will say for this list is if I ever took over an orphan, uh, a, a team that was orphaned, and I ended up... Um, ended up with with one of these players on that team uh before the season started they were gone okay so that's what i'll say because this list is the top six fantasy players i have never rostered okay so i'm gonna start with number six and that's melvin gordon and melvin gordon hasn't been around all that long so maybe that's not shocking but i'm from wisconsin i am i i'm a huge uw fan um i i i root for the badgers uh you know exclusively for college so Melvin Gordon was one of those guys that came from came from Wisconsin. He was a you know, and he he still has roots here. He comes back to Kenosha and hosts a bowling tournament and signs autographs and he does it for charity. He's an awesome, awesome guy, and I've never had any ownership of him. So um, when I when I actually looked back at some of the leagues that I, I wait a minute, no, I had to have and I I didn't. Uh, it, it was kind of jarring to me that I've never had any ownership of Melvin Gordon. Um, so that's that's number six. Number five should come as no surprise to anybody who listens to this podcast regularly. Amari Cooper is someone who I have never had any uh, any any uh, I haven't had rostered on any of my squads. Um, so yeah, and and I don't regret that. Still, um, even though his his value is through the roof, I'm I'm okay with not having him on my squad. Uh, number four is Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco's been around forever. And I just think of, you know, how long Joe Flacco has been doing this. He's been a quarterback in Baltimore for a long time. And, I mean, this guy hasn't been my backup quarterback for a, a stint. And um, I looked back at some of my leagues and looked back at the history, and I, I have not, that I can find, had Joe Flacco rostered. Um, I was a little shocked to see that I had never had, rostered, had him rostered. Uh, however, I will say, I tend to shy away from Ravens. So that... Uh, that that it didn't shock me too much, I guess. Um, number three on this list is Zach Ertz. Um, I've never had any type of ownership, or I've never had Zach Ertz rostered on one of my teams. Um, now that that I just did just recently take over an orphan where Zach Ertz is on that team, 
but I've already tried to actively move him. Um, oh. I think it's just because I, it's not even that I don't like Zach Ertz. It's just because I don't value the tight end position as much as other teams do. Um, and so I'm willing to trade tight ends to upgrade uh, running back or receiver um, in a heartbeat. And, uh, you know, if I can do that and other people value Zach Ertz higher than I do, then I, I would move him. Um, so uh, second on this list is Devonta Freeman. And this kind of shocked me a little bit because Devonta Freeman's been he, he's been around a while, too, you know, and Atlanta is a team that I normally target. I like uh, having a lot of their offensive players on my squads um, just because offensively, typically, they seem to find the end zone a lot, uh, and they, they can move the ball, and then that division typically isn't too strong defensively either with the Saints and uh, and Tampa Bay being uh, four games there. Um, but Devonta Freeman is a guy I haven't had, and I think a lot of it has to do with injury risk. I've always been concerned that his next concussion is going to be his last, and um and that always scares me a little bit. So, um, yeah, never had Devonta Freeman, though, rostered. And the number one player on this list, and this one, I'll tell you what, out of all these, this is the one that I, re- I oh, maybe him with Melvin Gordon, but this, this is the one that I regret the most. And maybe it's because he's coming to an end, and I always liked his style of play. But whenever he was, when he was really good, his value was was high. And uh, and trading for him just just didn't seem like an option. Marshawn Winch is a guy that I have never had rostered on a fantasy team. Think about how many good years he had um, in Seattle, even before that when he was in Buffalo. Um, but I mean, he had good years in Seattle, and now he's he's on Oakland. And I, I've just I've never had this guy rostered on a fantasy on a fantasy team. Um, to me, that was a little a little jarring to kind of see some of these guys that I've never have had rostered. Is there? Is there anyone you guys can think of off the top of your head that, that maybe you've never had rostered for, for one reason or another? Saquon Barkley. Actually, that's not <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's not even true. That's not true anymore. Yeah, I, I've got to tell you about this in a second, James. But, yeah, we'll we'll stay on topic for a moment. But um, I think I haven't had Marshawn Lynch either. Wow. In a, wow, in a, man, yeah, crazy, isn't it? That's, that's interesting. That's one... Marshawn Lynch is like those old AOL discs that you got for, you know, that was supposed to be like, uh, whatever, 100 free hours of, of America Online or something. Like, everybody had everybody had that at some point, you know. He was yeah. just, there. he he was going to replace the penny. But, <laughs> he's you know, he just gets passed around so much. And he's had such a long career, and his value has kind of gone up and down so much it's 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 kind of interesting to hear that on this podcast he's been he's i i mean i've owned him in two two leagues i i suppose two dynasty leagues um so yeah i mean he hasn't had a whole lot of ownership all things considered man that's crazy stompy and i are like uh, marshawn lynch i don't even know what you would call it um non-eskimo brothers non-eskimo <laughs> brothers there you go i was just you knew where i was you knew what i was thinking yep. you knew what i was thinking it was just you know we had to we had to ebdb our way through that one so yeah we're able to do it i have not owned russell wilson in a league and i mean i think that before oh. 2018 that was uh there were fairly obvious reasons for that that's one that i intend to correct going forward so very nice yeah do you can you come up with a stomp 
I'm trying to think if I ever owned Peyton Manning. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a good okay. one, too. I owned yeah. him in some redraft leagues, but never in uh, Like, I never, ever reached for a quarterback is the reason. Oh, this... So I'm pretty sure I never had Peyton Manning at any point in time. This just got a little humble braggy, but that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah, That's fine. Hey, listen, I'm the SFB8 champ. It's fine. <laughs> that's not and there goes humble the humble break. out the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any of these, James, that you intend to correct? Joe Flacco possibly leaving. Now you could. You should say Devonta Freeman. It, it won't be Devonta Freeman. Um, sh- it I, should I, be. It, it will be Melvin Gordon. That's the one that I I, I really, I've done a total, uh, total 180 on him. Um I didn't think any of his numbers were sustainable. I thought he was touchdown dependent, and it doesn't seem to matter because he just continues scoring touchdowns by the handful. So, uh, you know, once once it you know it happens three times, it's it's. I mean, come on, we can start counting on it now, right? So, uh, Melvin Gordon's a guy who I, I like a lot, and I would like to have some ownership of and have him rostered on one of my squads uh, this upcoming year. So, yeah, that's that's a guy that uh, that I plan on at least having on one of my squads here. So. Does that right. annoy you, John? <laughs> that, that does not annoy me, but you want to know what okay. does annoy me? Here are the top six to here are the top six things that annoy me. Probably more than they should, if we're being honest. But uh we'll see. I mean, I some people might agree with some of these. Um, but I I think that overall this this is the type of thing that they talk about. Go do some do some yoga or something and learn to let things go. But uh, this is the small stuff that I sweat. But uh, so first of all, X players doing commentary. There is an asterisk on that because I think Tony Romo is amazing. But beyond that, and I mean, we we really saw this kind of accented by Jason Witten in particular this year. But I mean, I think that we've seen a lot of and Booger McFarlane, both of those guys, and you put them on the same broadcast. The problem with ex-NFL players is they talk to you like you don't know anything because just because you weren't out on the field. And the problem is fans have gotten so much smarter about football. And it's based on things like this, based on things like what we're doing. We're analyzing football. We're doing it for the purpose of another game, a game about the game. But still, we're we're looking at football in a totally different light. And the idea that that fans are are dumb and just want to hear, you know, just some of the the old tropes from from you know ex NFL players, those days are gone. We, it, in all honesty, I think that there are a lot of fantasy football analysts who would make very very good color commentators, and I think that that day is coming fast. I think that the days of the NFL color commentator should and probably will be coming to an end very soon next up commercials for other shows i get it i get that you have other shows and i and i also understand the reason that you're that you cut away from the show that i'm currently watching to tell me about another one of your shows in fact we do that here with the podcast we talk about the dlf family of podcasts but i mean we mention it very briefly we don't beat you over the head with it. The fact that you could be listening to another DLF podcast right now. 
you know, or, or you know, after this one, and stay tuned for another DLF po- family of podcasts show. You know, so so doing that to us on TV, we picked this show for a reason. Don't beat us over the head with some of the other stuff that we should be watching, and don't tell us that we made a bad decision by not watching this other show. All right, number three. <laughs> Number three, I'm old enough to remember when. I'm so, I'm I, I'm getting so annoyed by that, guys. That is Jump the Shark. Can we stop saying that, please? I'm desperate, desperate for a, a, a new way to say, you remember how we were just saying this and now it's changed? I, I There has to be another way to say it without starting this sentence with, I'm old enough to remember when. Please, I'm begging. Number four, product packaging that's a, impossible to open. It, it Back in the day, it was shrink wrap on CDs. But now, this plastic has gotten so much thicker and so much harder. And it, it's to a point where there is no way to open it just on pure human strength. You have to have help with it. And here's the problem. If I buy... If I buy a new if I buy new scissors and they're in that package that's impossible to open, if I had a way to open the package, I wouldn't need the damn scissors. Number 5 is gravity and this one is very very specific actually because overall gravity is very good to me. Uh it keeps me uh it it's the thing that keeps me grounded, but I'm but here's what I freaking hate. If I uh, here here's an example, I I have a water a bottle of water, I put it in my refrigerator and it falls over for no apparent reason and jumps back out of the refrigerator as if the refrigerator is rejecting it and spitting it back at me. There's n- and and it's wasting, you know, just a matter of seconds. But those seconds could be very valuable. My time is valuable, guys. I don't know if you know this, but my time is very valuable. And if I have to spend it picking things up that I just set down, just because there's the, just because of the gravitational forces in the earth that are that are making these things fall off of counters and off of tables and and out of the refrigerator and out of cupboards, I'm gonna lose my freaking mind. And I do on a regular basis. If you, if if I was in the Big Brother house, for instance, you would literally see me. This it gets a little bit crazy, I admit, but you would see that exact scenario play out. I set something in the refrigerator, it tips over, it rolls out. I get so mad at that. I I yell at the refrigerator. I yell a little bit at God. I mean, I, I try not to bring him into it too much, something so small, but I yell at the refrigerator and I'll even do a spinning back kick on this stupid thing just to make a point and it's it's the most insane thing that you'll ever see, but this could be avoided. There's absolutely no reason for that to happen. And finally, traffic lights. These by the way, these are getting like more and more intense as we go along, but the traffic lights when the pattern doesn't make any sense, when there's no pattern to traffic lights, when the, the light that I'm at turns green and the very next one turns red, this is somebody's job. Somebody went to school for years to become an engineer, to go work for the Department of Transportation as somebody who programs these 
these lights, and they worked there for several more years while they learned how to program it. And then their manager retired because he got he was sick of the commute. He was sick of sitting in he was sick of sitting in traffic and being stopped at various lights and making the commute to work. So he retired, and this engineer gets promoted to that managerial position where they actually plan out the way these lights are going to change. And somehow, in, in all of that, with all of that thought, all of that, that brain power, we can't come up with a way for these to turn green in, in succession. It, it, it just is absolutely infuriating to me. We're putting, we're putting animals on Mars. We're, you know, we're, we're zeroing in on, a, on an immunity a, a vaccination for cancer, things like that. But we cannot figure out how to get these traffic lights to make sense. I promise you guys, someday I'm going to just completely lose my mind. And you're going to see me on the evening news just going around by hand chopping these traffic lights down with a freaking axe like they're trees. And they're going to have the skycopter over me just watching me go from one to the next and just chopping them down and, and, and with a headline about crazy person chopping down traffic lights and, and it, it, they're going to treat it like it's a terrorist attack and like I'm some kind of madman just, just completely unhinged. And it's true. That it's pushing me to that end. I'm so, so tired of finally getting the relief of a green light just to go 50 feet and get stopped again. It's, it's going to push me over the edge. I promise. I promise. That's going to be my real 15 minutes of fame right there is when I'm chopping down traffic lights like freaking trees. <sighs> Catch my breath. Uh, that last one was wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. I actually agree with you on traffic lights. Uh, How hard? But is we need it? to get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Put yeah. in roundabouts. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I know that they're uh. in Europe. They have that, but I, I, and I don't love roundabouts either. But I mean, it's got to be better, right? It's got to be. They're they're in Europe. They're finding ways to to get on and off of highways without lights. It's like you better watch yourself. You're gonna be con- we're gonna be the socialist <laughs> podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean, I definitely tried to reach across both aisles, you know, and make this fairly apolitical if I possibly could. <laughs> but yeah, if it it uh. I, I know that I've got some kind of radical ideal ideas here about so about green the green light New Deal, <laughs> but we have got <laughs> we've got to figure out a way to make this work. I mean, I, I I recognize that it's a society and everybody has to has to be able to work together and drive together without running into each other and killing each other. But there has to be has to be a better way. If it and if it in, if it still involves traffic lights, that's fine. But figure out a way to plan these so that they change in succession like that. I, that I, sounds like a political platform if I've ever heard one. Does I, it? I gotta tell I you, can run I, for president on that. I'd do it. I, I think yeah, I, I'd vote for you. I absolutely love it. That your your passion, your passion about the argument for traffic lights, 
does not fall on deaf ears. I got to tell you, I had a very similar type of reaction earlier last week, and it was to plowing, snow plowing. And it was basically the same, almost the same thing. It was just kind of like, how, how is it that we can put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out a better way to remove snow from the roads than putting this huge contraction on a truck to plow, <laughs> to, 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 I mean, cars aren't supposed to be on the roads at this point. And that's what we're going to do. And we're just going to push the snow somewhere else. Like it was just <laughs> boggles my mind that, that this is, this is what we do. Traffic lights, come on. We, we can do better. We can do better than what we're doing with traffic lights. You're absolutely right. You stop at a red light or it turns yellow. There's nobody coming in the other direction. It's red for a good three minutes. The entire time, nobody moves except, and you're the only one sitting there waiting. Like, why? Why? And then you pull up and the next light turns yellow before you can get to it. And you know you're going to have to stop there again. It's just such a waste of time. We can do better, John. You're absolutely right about it. Um I don't have a problem with any of these that you just listed. None of them. I'm kind of on board with all of them. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing on here that doesn't annoy me either. Maybe it's, maybe I'm just getting old. Like, everything annoys me. But uh, I'm glad you throw in the Tony Romo, uh, you know, you know caveat. Uh, caveat. Yes, yeah. for, for ex-players doing color commentary, because I, I totally agree with that as well. But, man, that, that's a solid list, John. Well done. Yeah, we you you sound very crotchety. <laughs> yeah, get off my lawn. But your, that gra- that gra- your gravity, I can't. I I don't even know how to respond to that. What? <laughs> <laughs> you, Damn you, you've physics! Never, you've never had that. You've never had so like something just fall out of your hand or or something off the table or whatever, and you're just like, why? Why did that? No, no, but I get no I, I get angry at the object. I don't get r- angry at the physics <laughs> of the universe. <laughs> well, that's I, that's kind of fair. I mean, it, like in the case of the the refrigerator and you know the water bottle falling out of it, it's like it, the the refrigerator has one job: hold my <laughs> hold it and keep it cold. <laughs> And you're refusing to do that? What are you going on strike or something? How Am I not paying you, you enough? Refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the refrigerator does get some of my uh, some of my disdain there as well, and and the actual object that falls sometimes too. It's like it, you're you're my bottle of water. Like you, you, it's not. Where do you have to go other than where I put you? <laughs> you got some something better to do? Bottle of water. That's why you're trying to get out of here, and and you're not just going to hang out in the refrigerator until I'm ready for you. So, yeah. You know, when you were describing that with the spinning jump kick, I actually like envisioned you spinning <laughs> jump kicking the door <laughs> closed. Done it. Yep, I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. The the dents are on the refrigerator to prove it. I was just gonna say when we see John's fridge in a in a picture coming up here, we're we're gonna none of us will be surprised by the dents and the uh, the nope. dings that are on there. Yep. In the shape of his heel. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There there aren't many things that can really get me going, but there's a list of six of them that uh that can really get me fired up. And not, some of those don't even they don't actually make me mad. It's just kind of. We're just we're just kind of done with that. We're past that part of of human history, where NFL players, you know, try and tell us something that we already know, and you know, then and then we say, "I'm old enough to remember when, 
you know. John Madden. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember when John Madden did color commentary, John. Yeah, I'm I'm old enough to remember when Jason Witten being a color commentator was actually a good idea. You know, those oh. are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, those those two things kind of go hand in hand, I suppose. But sweet, there's our top six, top six. So we can wrap this up for the week. I think we touched on several different subjects that uh, that you know that pertain to this stage, this phase of the dynasty season, the non-point scoring season, as our friends over the Trade Addicts podcast like to call it. And then uh, a few things just that, that were a little self-indulgent, I suppose, but uh, still meant to be some uh, some good conversation and hopefully a little bit entertaining. But as we finish this one off for the week, we'll ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, the mega feed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And once you're subscribed everywhere, if you'd give us a rating and review, not all podcatchers give you the option, but the ones that do, those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach and get out to a larger audience involve more people in the conversation so that we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can also send them to any of us individually. Stompy is at FF Stompy. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else... Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Super flexy.